deflationary money. I see it in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. And because of that, I say the term quite a lot. And when I do, people are understandably confused because when they hear the word deflation in any mainstream context, that's usually associated with falling consumer prices. So how can we have deflationary money when consumer prices are still rising in some places, rising quite rapidly? What do we mean or what do I mean when I use the term deflationary money? What that refers to is anything or any set of circumstances that interrupts or impedes the free flow of money and capital and credit throughout, any glo throughout the global economy. And when that happens, if it's left unchecked, what will happen is that it will spill over into the regular economy, becoming a deflationary economy where among some of those symptoms, you can have falling consumer prices, as well as, as I talked about yesterday, the worst of those symptoms, really nasty labor markets. Labor markets pay for monetary deflation. And monetary deflation is something that impedes the circulation of money and credit through the economy. And over the last 15 years, really 16 years, one of the major culprits impeding the free flow of money and credit in the economy is something that is very money-like itself. And of course, I'm talking about financial collateral. So when I look around at, say, the four-week treasury bill rate that is plummeting because the price of the treasury bill rate has gone sky high, I associate that with the price of money going way up, which historically speaking, in any just intuitive context, when the price of money is so dear, it suggests and strongly implicates monetary deflation. Something is impeding the free flow of money in the economy. And in this case, when the price of collateral goes through the roof, we can, we can reasonably suspect a collateral shortage. But some people have said, no, the four-week treasury bill rate, that's down because of the debt ceiling. The Congress is playing chicken with the administration again, and the administration is playing chicken right back with Congress. And at some point, the Treasury Department is going to run out of cash. It's going to breach. It's going to be in danger of breaching the debt ceiling. Therefore, some of there's a possibility the government won't be able to roll over some of its short-term debt or even longer-term longer, longer term debt because once they get to that debt ceiling point, there's potential problems. Now, it hasn't happened yet, but it doesn't mean it won't happen. And even though it's an infinitesimally, infinitesimally, infinitesimally small chance of a default, Think about it from the perspective of a money market fund, which fiduciarily speaking, if that's even a term, they can't take that chance. So a money market fund that is faced with the prospect of a debt ceiling breach, even if it's just a tiny, tiny chance, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to make some adjustments in that fund to make sure that you are not exposed to even a small chance of maybe not even default, but maybe even delayed payment. Delayed payment would be the worst case scenario because then maybe you'd have to break the buck. And we all know what happens when money market funds break the buck. Nothing good, I can assure you, for the fund or anything else. So money market funds might be a little bit careful about trying to project when the, when the debt ceiling might be finally reached and what might happen in the immediate aftermath of it. All never being able to assume that Congress and the administration will be able to work it out, even though we're reasonably sure that will happen over time because it always happens. So if I'm a money market fund and I don't want to be involved in the debt ceiling, I should be selling any instruments, including treasury bills, that might come due in right around that time where the debt ceiling breach happens. 
But does that necessarily mean that I'm going to be buying other treasury bills? Or are we conflating two different issues here, trying as best as, as some might to downplay the one in favor of the other because the other sounds a lot more benign than deflationary money? Let's sort out the, the, the deflation. Let's sort out the treasury bill stuff. Let's sort out what might be going on in the debt ceiling. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodala University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, we haven't gone over the debt ceiling yet in the Eurodollar University member section, but I'm sure that will be covered at some point. What we have gone over and what we are going over right now in our classroom video series, which I'm going to get to, the next classroom video is coming out very soon on collateral, the history behind it, why circulation matters, real background stuff on the monetary system itself. And if you're interested in the monetary system and the fallout from it, the consequences, how we got into the situation, I have research subscriptions available for you, a partnership with marketsinsiderpro.com. I do a daily briefing there. The day's big macro news along with the big moves or most important stuff and curves. And I also do separately a daily deep dive analysis at the Eurodollar University website where we dive deep into all of these things because they really do need to be Doven deepen deep deep dive dove, dove, whatever you might say that because of you don't hear this kind of stuff in the mainstream nobody wants to talk about the plumbing details money anymore when they really should and that's what we'll do in the memberships and research subscriptions all the information available at eurodollar.university so if we have money market funds that in particular that are afraid of the debt ceiling maybe they're going to be selling some bills because that's historically speaking what happens when in at least in the past the last decade or so a little bit over a decade when we get to these debt ceiling moments such as in 20, 2011 again in 2013 and then one more time in 2017 what you see is that yes money market funds in particular don't like to hold bill instruments that, the, that are in any tiny little bit of a risk to be um, to come due around the time that a debt ceiling might be breached because, as I said, delaying the payment might lead to a breaking of the buck and then you're out of business and all sorts of nasty consequences go, for, go from there. So let's start with one of those. Let's, let's go back to October of 2013. And interestingly, interestingly enough, on October 11th, 2013, in the middle of what was actually a government shutdown at the time, if you remember, uh, almost a decade ago, uh, the Hong Kong Exchange, the Hong Kong Exchange and Clearing, changed the repo haircuts on U.S. Treasury bills from 1%, which is pretty much where they are, or usually are because it's a low-risk, low low-volatility instrument, to 3%. 3% haircut on Treasury bills. And the reason they did was because of government shutdown, debt ceiling debate, but more not really about those, but what those were doing in the treasury bill market. The four week bill yield had jumped from uh, on October 1st, 2013, it got up to around 10 basis points uh, from three. So it went from very low to very, uh, not very high, but suddenly much higher, a little bit of volatility. Then it would go to 27 basis points one week into the government shutdown and got to as high as 35 basis points when they finally resolved everything. So from three basis points yield to 35 basis points, which means the price went from whatever that would have calculated out to 
down substantially. So you can see why the Hong Kong exchange would say we need to increase our haircut. It has nothing to do with the credit risk of the treasury bill. It has nothing to do with about default risk uh, related to the debt ceiling. It was entirely about volatility, sudden abrupt volatility in the price of the four-week bill instrument. And the reason there was volatility in the price of the four-week bill instrument was because as the government shutdown dragged on, money market funds were saying, I can't own these instruments. I have to sell them because just the small chance of a default. So money market funds will sell any issue, any bill that they have that is at risk of becoming, is at risk of being in, in that kind of situation. We saw the same thing happen again in 2017 to a very much, to much more limited extent. Now, up until that time, what we saw in uh, August of 2013 into early or 20, uh, 2017 into early September 2017, the Treasury bill rate, the four-week Treasury bill rate, was below the Fed's RRP. Sound familiar? And then all of a sudden, on I think it was September. 5th, September 5th, suddenly uh, the bill yield, which had been a few basis points below the RP, suddenly spiked up to around uh, 130, so 30 basis points above. So again, an abrupt change in the price of the bill as money market funds in particular suddenly decided they didn't want to be at risk of a debt ceiling. So they sold out of the four-week bill so to make sure that they were not involved in any of that debt ceiling drama. And then once it was resolved, the four-week bill went right back to where it had been. And really, those two things are two separate things. These are two different issues that I think nowadays are being conflated for a variety of reasons, not all of them honest. In other words, we had a collateral shortage that was driving bill rates below the RRP, not in anticipation of the debt ceiling, not some worries that, oh, I need to sell the three-month bill and buy the one-week or buy the, the four-week bill because of the mechanics of, of the debt ceiling, but rather collateral issues that had depressed bill yields until money market funds got nervous over the debt ceiling and then they sold them and the bill yields ended up rising. Then they went right back to where they were because the debt ceiling was never the issue and why those bill yields were low to begin with. And you don't have to take my word for it. Here's the St. Louis Federal Reserve Branch, the Federal Reserve Branch of St. Louis in 2017, talking about why the four-week Treasury bill rate was less than the RRP at that time. For example, it says, on May 19, 2017, the one-month Treasury bill rate was 0.71%, while IOER was 1.0%. So banks required a premium of 29 basis points to induce them to hold reserves rather than one month T-bills. For what reasons are reserves inferior to T-bills? <laughs> Every reason. Basically, reserves can be held only by a restricted set of financial institutions, while T-bills are more widely held and are useful as collateral in financial transactions, example, repurchase agreements, in ways that reserves are not. So again, that had nothing to do with the debt ceiling. It had everything to do with the fact that Treasury bills are the best quality collateral. And at that time, collateral was in increasingly short supply. Not, not aggressively short supply, but increasingly a scarcity, a minor scarcity that had pushed their prices up, therefore their yields down below RRP. Then, then the debt ceiling happened that one day in September, the bill yield spiked up and then it went right back to normal. This is the same pattern that we saw 
back in 2011, which might be the closest analog to the situation that we find ourselves in today. You had treasury bill yields that were relatively decent, relatively stable, rising a little bit in 2010 into 2011. As for a little while there, it looked like maybe that European sovereign debt crisis, the problems in the US economy, maybe they would go away, maybe they wouldn't. And really starting in February 2011, what you saw was treasury bill yields start to sink again because it was never really about the European sovereign debt. It was European sovereign debt in the same way that subprime mortgages had been part of the crisis in 2007 and 2008. This was the beginning of an impairment in repo collateral that then impaired the circulation of money and credit in the real economy and spilled over into that real economy in both cases as nasty recessions in some, in some places like Europe in particular and the United States for a little while in 2009 into outright falling consumer prices, deflation. Deflationary money in those instances because of a shortfall in collateral eventually produced deflationary economy, including falling prices. But the, the treasury bill yields in 2011 were going down February, March, April, and by May 2011, the T-bill yield, the four-week T-bill yield, was down around one, one basis point, 0.01%, almost zero. And in some cases, it might have been zero and even slightly negative in certain situations. That wasn't because the market was worried about the debt ceiling down the road and piling into four-week treasury bill instruments well ahead of time. It was because of the collateral stuff that was going on. And you could see how it was mostly focused on the four-week treasury bill. The three-month treasury bill kind of fought that downward trend the entire way. The three-month treasury bill would dive down with a four-week and then it would pop right back up and dive down again and then pop right back up. There was almost a persistent spread there because the demand was mostly focused on the four-week instrument. Then, then completely separate, completely separate in July of 2011, Again, we had the game of chicken before between Congress and the administration. The administration and Congress can't get along, didn't want to sign a debt ceiling. And then the week leading up to July 29th, 2011, finally you see the selling in treasury bills that spikes up the yields. An agreement is signed. The debt ceiling is resolved. No defaults, no delayed payments. A debt downgrade though. And what happened? The four-week bill yield went right back down to where it had been before because only briefly had the debt ceiling issue, which was completely separate, taken a hold of trading in the bill market. And once the debt ceiling was revolved, it, the bill market went right back to the collateral shortage that it was trading just prior to it. So again, these are two separate issues. The one is deflationary money. The other is politics. Collateral shortage impeding the free flow of money and credit through the economy. Obviously, we've got something like that even more extreme. It's so extreme that we haven't seen anything like this since 2008 in the four-week treasury bill, which has alarmed enough people that some are starting to offer the same excuses, or not the same excuse, but just offer benign-sounding explanations to say, ah, there's nothing to see here. This is all about the debt ceiling. And what, they, what a lot of people are saying is look at the difference between, say, the eight-week Treasury bill yield and the four-week Treasury bill yield. As the four-week Treasury bill yield has plummeted, the eight-week has kind of moved up. 
Isn't that the debt ceiling? Isn't that money market fund saying, I don't want to own eight week paper because eight weeks from now that could be, that could be the debt ceiling breach. Whereas I'm really sure that four weeks from now, everything will be fine. And the answer is unequivocally no. It is absolutely not the debt ceiling that's going on in the four week treasury bill. And we can see this in any number of ways, starting with, there's no, there's no, there's no selling. What selling do we see in the eight week instrument? The eight week instrument is following along the three month, three month bill rate, which is modestly higher. But even now the eight week bill isn't some sky high rate like we see in other debt ceiling instances. There's no massive volatility there. At most you can say there is a modest amount of selling in the eight week bill, not even in the three month, just the eight week bill. So how is a modest amount of selling in the eight week bill at best translate into an epic amount of demand for four week bills? It doesn't. And it doesn't make any sense either. Because if you're a money market fund and you are selling out of the eight week instrument because you are afraid of the debt ceiling, which nobody is, but let's assume that's the case. Why would you buy a four week instrument that is yielding so little? You would not do that. You could have any number of alternatives as we see throughout these debt ceiling issues. You don't sell the eight week and buy the four week that yields only three, three and a quarter percent. You sell the eight week and then roll over to IRP then or roll over in GC repo or just put the funds in federal funds market. What's left of it. You would never accept the return so little for treasury bills. I mean, as an investment, it makes absolutely no sense because that's that's probably the, the real. I mean, as far as the, the argument goes, you can't get over that one because there's just no, it just makes absolutely no sense to do something like that. And that's not what really is going on here anyway, because even as we look at the eight week, there's, there's really no, no evidence that the eight week bill is being heavily sold to begin with. You look at the last auction that was held just yesterday, the high yield was 485, just five basis points above the current RRP. And there's going to be another rate hike, uh, in uh, maybe a couple weeks. So that's already low. The median was 475 and the low rate was 430. That was yesterday. What's selling in eight week? What massive selling in the eight week instrument is leading to this massive buying in the four week? It's just, it's not happening. So what is happening is that there's a deflationary money signal, collateral scarcity even run in the four week instrument, just like we have seen at times in the past, except this one, we haven't seen the likes of it since really 2008. I think that's really the problem here. People have a problem, have a real big problem thinking, how can we have a 2008 type of deflationary monetary signal? It's just, it's too much to ask at this particular point in time. Even after Silicon Valley Bank and everything last month, can't quite wrap their head around that potential, especially with all you've heard over the last several years is inflation, 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 money printing, money printing, money printing. So there's absolutely no way we could have deflationary money. This must be the debt ceiling because what else would it be? I'm Jeff. This is Eurodoll University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, huge, enormous thank you, sincere thank you, all the Eurodollar University members and all our research subscribers, both Eurodollar University and marketsinsiderpro.com. And until next time, take care. No Easter egg in this one.